Someone recently wrote on LinkedIn the following. In product management, it is easy to BS yourself and others when framing a proposal in terms of value proposition. Any proposal with the right business speak can be made to sound compelling that way. This happens all the time in nearly every company. It is much harder to BS yourself and others when you are forced to frame a proposal in terms of customer motivation. Now, that's from a LinkedIn post by Shreyas Doshi from a few weeks ago. I'm Nils Davis, and this is episode 123 of the Secrets of Product Management podcast. I'll put a link to Shreyas's post in the show notes at secretsofpm.com slash 123. I'll include a few other useful links there as well. So I'm a big fan of the value proposition. If you've listened to this podcast before, you know that. It's the basic simple template that Jeffrey Moore presented, although I'm sure he didn't invent it, in Crossing the Chasm. The template is, my product is an X for Y people. It has A, B, and C features and is superior to its competitors because of P, Q, and R, which are differentiators. It's a simple template. It encapsulates the product's category, that is what it does, who it's for, what its features are, and why it's a better choice for them than their other alternatives. And it goes without saying, although I'll say it, that even the best template can give you terrible results if it's used poorly. So let's talk about how to use the value proposition template correctly and avoid the problems that Shreyas talks about, because it's exceedingly valuable if you use it correctly and a surprisingly good tool for aligning everyone. I think there's a lot of different issues that Shreyas is trying to point out via implication in his post, and I'll try to cover a few of them. First, the real test of a value proposition is not whether you like it. It's whether your prospect, your ideal target customer, responds to it with, I need to look into that, or I need one of those. If the reaction is more along the lines of, that is at most interesting, but it's not something I'm willing to focus on now, well, that's a problem. It may mean that the person you shared it with is not your target customer, but if it's your target customer and they shrug at it, that's a big problem. But that's not a problem with the value proposition template. It's a problem with what you're promising. And the problem comes down to one of a few possibilities. You may be a bad copywriter. It may be that the thing you built actually is really exciting to these people, and you just haven't expressed it well. Or it may be that your product actually doesn't solve a worthwhile problem for your target market, and so it's boring to them. So basically, while the value proposition is not a marketing tool per se, meaning you don't really use it directly in your marketing, it should be compelling enough that a well-qualified prospect would have a positive reaction and want to learn more if they happen to read it or encounter it or were told it. So if it's not marketing, why do we have it? Well, there's two reasons. Obviously, it does help with marketing. I'll get to that. But the first thing is it's a litmus test. If you can't write a value proposition that will be at least somewhat compelling to your ideal prospect, maybe you don't have a solution worth buying. I mean, that's a harsh judgment. It's a harsh thing to say. But if you can't articulate why somebody should want your product, how do you expect your salespeople to articulate that? How do you, why do you expect somebody to get $10,000 out of their wallet? That's the type of money that people spend on my products, $10,000, $50,000, $100,000. Why do you expect them to get that kind of money out of their wallet if, if you can't make a good case for why it's worth buying? On the other hand, if the value proposition is compelling, it can act as a North Star for all your marketing go-to-market efforts. If your sales and marketing aren't aligned with the value proposition, or more importantly, if there's a part of the value proposition that's not supported by your marketing, then it's potentially a problem. 
So, in fact, if you get right down to it, having a good value proposition is actually two kinds of litmus tests. I mentioned the first one, that it validates whether you actually understand the problem that you're solving and whether the problem that you're solving is worth solving. So, one, your ability to articulate something of value that a prospect won't just laugh at or ignore. And to be honest, I think that's part of what Shreyas is complaining about. It's easy to write a value proposition that is essentially not true or not validated. In fact, he goes on to say in his post, it's easy to talk about cost savings from eliminating tedious manual invoice rec reconciliation in your value proposition and make people think that your product proposal is sound. But when you have to frame it in terms of customer motivation, you're forced to ask yourself and your target customers whether there is sufficient motivation for them to adopt a new product or feature to avoid the six hours a week someone has to spend reconciling invoices manually. The answer is, surprisingly, a no for some types of businesses. That's the end of the quote. And of course, to that I say, of course. But hopefully I wouldn't have built the product or even the value proposition before I had validated that reconciling invoices automatically was a problem worth solving. It sounds like he's almost making the assumption that you wrote a value proposition that seemed great to you, and then you went and built that solution based on the value prop, and then tried to sell it. And this never works, we know this. It doesn't matter what your value prop says at that point, if you haven't based it on finding a real market problem and just made it up out of your head, it's very unlikely that your product is going to be successful. The real way product works, successful products work, is that you find a problem worth solving before you do anything else. And this is likely to be a long and difficult path of discovery and exploration and pivoting. But at the end of that journey, you have found a problem that is worth solving, and you have evidence that people will pay you for the solution if you build it. You may have even already sold it because you don't actually have, a, have to have a product in order to sell it if you have found a good enough problem and you're persuasive enough that you'll build a good solution to it. And it's only at that point that you write the value proposition for the set of people, the ones who have the problem you have validated as being worth solving. This product solves that specific problem with some notable features. And unlike the people's other choices, our solution is P, Q, and R, where P, Q, and R are meaningful ways in which our solution is their best choice among all their alternatives, including doing nothing. In other words, that's what a real value proposition is. It's why people should, it includes, a differentiator portion of the template is why people should buy our solution rather than something else. And that has to be real reasons that are actually meaningful. It can't be, oh, reconcile your invoices in six hours. It may be, stop people from quitting every week because re reconciling invoices is so terrible. I don't know if that's something that would cost people to buy, but you would need to validate that before you put it in the value proposition. And of course, if you haven't done all that work up front to validate that you have a problem we're solving and a solution that's a better alternative than the prospect's other choices, then, well, you don't have a product you can sell. It doesn't matter what you put in the value proposition. The value of the value proposition, though, is that it captures in two or three sentences the reason the product exists, and it gives you an opportunity to articulate that reason concisely and clearly. It's a litmus test of your product and a litmus test of your ability to talk about the product. Now, the beauty is that it can also be a test of your actual implementation of go-to-market. If the go-to-market isn't aligned with the value proposition, then that may reflect yet another problem. And I say may because sometimes, for specific reasons, you might deviate, such as slightly going outside your target market segment. The target market segment is the people that are most aligned with this problem and, f and 
feel it the most acutely and need the solution most urgently. But there may be other people that you can sell to as well that will be find the, your solution valuable that aren't exactly in that same target market segment. So you might be able to use the value proposition to talk to them as well. But you won't deviate by trying to use differentiators you don't actually have. Well, you shouldn't. That's really dangerous. And you won't deviate by putting in features and benefits you don't actually have. It's also very dangerous. So the value prop is a short little bunch of sentences. And of course, you won't have all the features and benefits and differentiators in there in one little bunch of sentences. Uh, what you, but what you want to avoid is creating marketing or sales materials or sales talk tracks that claim you have features, benefits, or differentiators you don't have. In other words, whatever is mentioned as a feature in a sales talk track, for example, you should be able to slot that into your value proposition as well. It should be equally true in the value proposition as whatever feature is already in there by default. In other words, you might have features A, B, C, D, E, F, G, and in your value pro default value proposition, you talk about A, B, and C, but you could also have your value proposition include features A, D, and F if you wanted. You should be able to. Now, maybe you choose A, B, and C because they're the most exciting, but it might be for a different segment or a different person within the company. A, a D, and F is a better choice. You know, you can have multiple value propositions for the same product, they might vary in which features and benefits you highlight, as well as which differentiators you highlight, as I was just mentioning. Um, and you can even have different value propositions for different people in the same sales engagement. So if you have to persuade both the CFO and the head of tech support about your product, you might have a slightly different pitch, meaning a different value proposition, for these two personas. They're going to be about the same product, and they will have features and differentiators from that product, real ones. But the CFO value prop might use to might use some finance-related differentiators, while the customer success value prop might use effectiveness-related differentiators. Now, the product must have both finance-related and effectiveness-related differentiators for this to work, of course. Now, luckily, these often go hand-in-hand, hand, but the finance person is going to be much more interested in the finance side of things, and the customer success person is going to be much more interested in the effectiveness and efficiency side of things. So, you can have multiple value propositions. They all need to be talking about the same product. And you might tune them depending on the exact persona you're talking to. But they're all about the same product and they all have to be true. So there's another great value of the value proposition as well. It's funny I keep saying the value of the value proposition. I amuse myself. It's an easy way to get sales and marketing on board with the product itself. Because the value proposition succinctly says who the target market segment is, what is the problem that we solve, and why our solution is better for those prospects, it means marketing knows who to target in terms of getting leads into the sales funnel. And sales knows how to, or gets some hand at least, and you're probably going to give them additional information separate from the value proposition for this. But they know some idea, they have some idea of how to do discovery and how to do qualification of the prospects that come in as leads. If you can't give sales and marketing that information, they're going to make stuff up. And that leads, usually, anyway, to disaster. So you want to make sure that they have enough information that they can find the right people, qualify them, do discovery, and guide them through the sales funnel effectively. You want the right people in your sales funnel. You don't want the wrong people in your sales funnel because those people are a waste. The wrong people are a waste of your sales team's time. So one more thing. As technologists, we love to write value propositions and, of course, everything else in our technical language. 
using our terms for things and our way of talking about the problems we solve and our differentiators. And I don't necessarily mean technical as in code language or something like that, but we have the terms that we use for things, and they're useful terms for us because we all understand them internally. This is bad. <laughs> in Copywriting 101, we learned that we really need to use the customer's voice as much as possible. There's a saying about good marketing, it's like they're in my head or it's like they're reading my mind. You want your marketing to seem like that to the prospect, not in a creepy way, of course. And the best way to do that is to use their own words. The words you heard from actual people suffering from the actual problem you solve when you were doing all that market discovery at the beginning of the process. And this goes for the value proposition as well. It doesn't matter if you think your solution is a database. If your ideal prospect thinks it's a report engine, you should darn well call it a report engine in your value prop and everywhere else, even though you know in your heart of hearts it's a database. And But your customer doesn't care. They think of it as a report engine, and so you talk about it as a report engine. So to sum this all up, a value proposition is only valuable if it addresses a meaningful problem that real prospects have and are willing to pay for the solution to that problem. And you won't be able to write it unless you have discovered and validated that problem and created a solution that will actually be the prospect's best choice. All of that stuff is implied in that value proposition. It's a real problem that specific people have, and your solution is their best choice for good reasons. The value proposition is a great litmus test for whether you have actually created something worth buying. If you can't write a value proposition that engages and excites your ideal prospects, then you're going to have a terribly hard time selling the solution it represents to them. Now, the value proposition, like most of the writing we use in go-to-market, should be in the customer's voice, which you learned by doing a ton of market discovery and validation, of course. So, have you struggled with value propositions? Do you feel they are helpful or a hindrance? Let me know. I'm Nels Davis on LinkedIn and Twitter, and you can leave a comment on the show notes page at secretsofpm.com slash 123. Please, if you enjoyed this episode, leave a like or a comment or subscribe in your podcast player of choice. I love to get comments on the show notes or via LinkedIn or whatever. If you are enjoying the podcast and finding things valuable, I'm certainly happy to hear what else you'd like to hear about. That would be great. Let me know what topics you'd like me to cover in the podcast. And with that, I think we're at the end. This is Nels Davis. Bye-bye.